Jesus, we, Lord God, we do thank you so much for this beautiful day you made, and it's a beautiful time with you. It's wonderful, God. It's amazing, Lord, as we put our hearts before you, as we sang to you, God, with all of our heart, more, heart mind, soul, and strength. God, we, we just love you, God, and we need you, and already the songs are just richly speaking to my own heart, and may you continue to speak to us through your word, God. So anoint your word, Lord. God, I pray that you would have a special word, a special message for each one of us, that none of us here would leave without hearing from you, that nobody online listening in, God, that the sound of my voice would not go away from this study without hearing your voice. And that's my heart. That's my prayer. So I ask God for your Holy Spirit anointing. Fill us now, God. Help us to understand your word and see you in it. So we ask this, praying in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Well, I read about this very nervous and anxious airline passenger. Uh, He went out pacing the terminal. He went out for a walk because his flight was just severely delayed because of very bad weather that had come upon the airport. There was no way the plane could take off, and so everything was delayed. So he was worried about it, and he, had to, he couldn't just sit there. He had to go for a walk. Well, as he was pacing the terminal, as he was walking around, he came across this, this machine. It was actually a life insurance machine. Um, if, if any of you guys flew a long time ago, I remember those machines a long time ago. But it's an old story. So he came across this life insurance machine, and it offered $100,000 in the event of an accident, accidental death by plane. And guess what? The policy only cost $3. Well, he looked out the window. He saw the raging storm. And just the thought of his family being okay, if perhaps of his untimely death, it seemed to settle his heart in in all that was going on. Plus, I mean, $100,000 for $3, I mean, you can't pass that up. So he took that coverage, and that seemed to give him a little more peace inside of him. Well, as he's walking around, he came upon one of his favorite Uh, foods to eat and there was a Chinese restaurant so he sat down he had a lot of time because of the delay and he sat down and he had a nice meal and even that kind of settled him down until he opened his fortune cookie and all the anxiousness and and worry came when he opened the fortune cookie it read this your recent investment will pay big dividends I thought that was funny. But I don't believe in fortune cookies. But when the storms of life come, right, aren't we in the same way? Don't we get fearful? Don't we get anxious too? Doesn't it overwhelm us with worry? And we're like, whoa, 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 will I make it? What's going to happen? Will I get through this? Will will it ever end? Don't Don't we have thoughts like that? Well, in our passage today, the Apostle Peter writes to assure us that, you know what, God will get you through it. And that's the title of our message today. God will get you through. 
God will get you through. We're going to be studying 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10 and 11. Just two verses this morning. We're going to get deep into this. And God will get you through 1 Peter 5, 10 through 11 this morning. Now, how can we know for sure? Well, this is what Peter assures us with. And we can know this by knowing, and this is our outline today and our points. Number one, there's an end to every trial. Number two, there's his grace for every need. Number three, there's a purpose in every storm. And there's his power over everything. And that's what we're going to find here. In, our, in these two verses, we're going to find four things to encourage us, to assure us. Four truths, four things that, that really can help us to settle down, have peace, and have faith. That God will get you through. All right, let's begin here with number one. There's an end to every trial. There's an end to every trial. Here we're going to be looking at First Peter chapter five, and only the first part of verse ten. Just the first part. So if you take a look with me here, First Peter chapter five, verse ten, it says, "And after you have suffered a little while." So I want you to just pause right there. Stop right there. In this first part of our message, we see Peter making this first comment, basically. A first thing he's he's putting forth, really, in this whole two verses in his sentence, in this passage. And and it's about the, it, it really speaks about the truth about trials. And that's what I want you to just look at here. He says, after you suffered a little, well, after you have suffered a little while. In other words, he's saying that there's going to be an end to the trial. He's saying that there will be a finished part of the trial. It, it's saying that it's not going to be forever, right? It, it's really only temporary, right? When he says for a little while. Now, I know what you're thinking. I don't know, Pastor Rick. My trial seems so long. It seems so intense. And yeah, especially we're in the, when we're in the middle of it. But, but Peter's putting something forth here we've got to put into our minds that, that it's just for a little while. It's not forever. It's for a, only for a season, and then the storm, the trial, will end. He said the same thing earlier, didn't he? If you like, turn to the left, turn back to First Peter chapter 1. He says in verse 6, if you remember this, we went over this, but in First Peter chapter 1, verse 6, it says, In this you rejoice, though now for a, a what? Little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. So he's bringing it back around here after all that he's talked about, after all that he's been talking about trials and storms and everything that you go through. He's coming, bringing it back to that thought that after a little while, it's only for a season, hey, it's going to come to an end. So understand this, first of all, there's an end to every trial. Every trial is really for a limited time. It's not going to go on forever. It's not going to go on into eternity. There's going to be that end there. I was uh, uh, reading about there's, there's this, you runners out there, there's this unique marathon race that is run every year in the area of North Bend, Washington. 
And runners actually, they, they run for about half a mile. And then it's unique because you're kind of running down the mountain, so that kind of helps. But you run through this tunnel. You enter this pitch black tunnel. And for almost three miles, uh, it's, it's black. It's dark. You got to wear a headlamp while you run. You got to have some sort of light. It is so dark. Uh, it's, it, at first, they say it's cold. It's damp. The the place is filled with, the road is filled with puddles, and you're just sh- running through that thing. But when you come out of the tunnel, they say you're greeted with this beautiful landscape, beautiful view of the Pacific Northwest there. And you know what this race is called? It's called the Light at the End of the Tunnel Marathon Race. <laughs> I love that. I mean, it, 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 to me, that just speaks so much about what Peter is saying here. We are running a race, aren't we, in this life? And it can be cold. It can be damp. It'll be filled with potholes. It's hard sometimes. It's, it can be dark. It's hard to see. But it's not going to go on forever because, you know what? There's going to be light at the end of the tunnel. And you've got to understand that, that after a little while, it's not going to go on forever. It's temporary. Your trials just for a season here. And whether this trial ends in our life here as we live on this earth, or whether the, the trial is going to end, our suffering will end when, when we get to heaven, it's still going to come to an end, right? And either way, think about it this way, compared to eternal glory, any of life's afflictions or suffering, it's just temporary. If you, if you compare our life here on this planet, on this earth, to living eternally in heaven, it, it's, it's a short time here, right? It really is. That's what the Apostle Paul meant in 2 Corinthians 4.17. And listen to this, or it's on the screen, but this is the NLT, the New Living Translation. I really like that. Uh, it, it, it reads this way. It's translated this way. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. There it is for a little while. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Outweighs what? Our present troubles. And the glory we're going to be in will last forever. How about you? I, I can't wait for glory to come, right? I can't wait for Jesus to return. I was just talking to someone this morning and yesterday about some things are happening in our world, in our, our financial economy, that I, it almost seems like God is ushering us into our nation, changing how we're doing our banking. But anyway, I don't want to get into it all. But it's only a sign we're heading toward what's being set up for the end. And you know what? I talked to a lot of people recently, and they're like, I know Jesus is coming soon. And I can't wait. I can't wait. So whatever you're going through, your affliction, your suffering, whatever trials that you're going through, understand there's an end yeah, in every trial. It's only for a limited time, and it could be really, really soon, you guys. Sooner than we think when, for, with Jesus returning. Now, I saw this plaque, and this plaque read like this. Count your many blessings. Name them one by one. Count your many blessings. See what God has done. And, and I've mentioned this a while back, how it's important that 
you know, even in the middle of trials that we are thankful to God. It helps us keep our perspective. God's always been there. We should count our blessings. We should list them. We should, I, I, I have a section in my prayer time that it's a Thanksgiving time. And I have a list of things that I thank God every day for because I can forget. I could get lost in my trials and problems. So it's important to do that. It's, it's important to focus on your blessings and keep that perspective. But if you do that, and you should do that, I want you to add one more thing to count your blessings. And add to your count this perspective. God will bring an end to every trial. Put that in there. There's a blessing to come. Put that on your list. Pray that way. Thank God in that way. As the sun comes up every morning, there's going to be an end to every trial. Know that. That's, that goes along with Psalm 35, right? Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. God will get you through. And so know this as we start here. Peter's saying, look, there's an end to every trial when he says, after you've suffered a little while. Let's go to number two. There's his grace for every need. There's his grace for every need. Here we're going to go on to verse 10, the second part now, as we go little by little through this verse. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10, it says here, after you suffer a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ. So we'll stop right there. Now, Peter goes on to mention the God of all grace. Now, with Peter saying this and writing this, it really reminds us that, you know, God's dealings with us, it, it, it's not based on what we deserve. We know what grace is, right? Receiving something we don't deserve. Undeserved favor, some people define it that way. So God is a God of all grace. It, it's, it's, it's his character. It's one of his attributes that he is full of grace. He is grace. That's God. So it reminds us, as we live this life, whatever God does for us, it's not based on what we deserve. Maybe think about it this way in context of what we're saying about suffering and trials, that we might not handle trials in that perfect patience, right, with endurance or even faith. We doubt God sometimes. Sometimes we get caught up in emotion and we get angry at someone or even angry at God. Many times we fall or get weak during those times of trials. And, and, but you know what? The God of all grace is still there for you. There's enough grace. This is like the idea. There's enough grace to cover you no matter what you're going through. Because he's the God of all grace. And I like that thought. I like that even if I don't hang on or... Or, or I get emotional, I get upset, or, or I don't have, my faith gets really small and I get more worried than having faith, that God's not like, what's wrong with you? Yeah, I just parted the Red Sea for you and now you're complaining about there's no food, right? No, His grace still came to the Israelites and provided the manna, right, and the quail. So even in our failings and the trials, because He understands that, God is the God of all grace, and he's there for us. And even if we fail, even if we fall, 
God's grace is still there. Isn't that what Romans 5, 8, or 5.20 says? The second part, it says, where sin abounded, what grace abounded much more. The New King James, right? Now, understand that in the Bible, it's very clear. It all started out with grace anyway, right? Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, we're saved, what? By grace. By grace, we're saved through, what? Faith, right? It's nothing we've done, not, not of works, right? It's a gift of God. Not, nothing that, that we, we have accomplished or worked for that we could be proud of. That's what Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 talks about. But by grace, we are saved through faith. So we even came to the Lord by grace. And as we're talking about now, as we have been saved by grace, God will sustain us by grace through this life, through what we go through, through our ups and downs. We are sustained every day by His grace. Turn over to the left to uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 8. 2 Corinthians 9, 8. I, um, I kind of changed my mind this morning. I, wanted to, I was just going to say it and read it, but I want you guys to see this so it's not on the screen, but it's 2 Corinthians 9, 8. Over here, the Apostle Paul is, is writing, and he says here in verse 8, And God is able to make all what? Grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times you may abound in every good work i love that god's sufficient and daily grace is for us every day in every situation in every trial and every suffering we may be going through god's grace is there to sustain us so he saves us by grace he sustains us by grace and guess what Grace brings us to heaven, too. And there's other scriptures on this, but go back to 1 Peter chapter 5. In verse 10, he says, The God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ. So I'm attaching this grace to that. That as Peter says, look, grace is, the God of all grace, he's going to bring us home to our eternal glory, to heaven, to, to what our salvation is is bringing us to. He saved us. He, he freed us. Uh, he rescued us. He's given us a new life. And now ultimately as he changes us, he will complete that work when we get into heaven. And so that's that whole work of grace, our salvation, our sanctification, our glorification. And so through Jesus Christ, through as the God of all grace, he's going to bring us home to heaven in that way. So isn't this beautiful? We see God's grace sustaining us all the way. We're going to make it, you guys. We're going to make it all the way to heaven no matter what we're going through. And as we think about the suffering, as we think about the trials, okay, it's going to end. Okay, God's grace is there to sustain me. Then understand that we need to look beyond now to that eternal glory that he's talking about here that we have in Jesus Christ. We need to look that there is a future for us. We need to look above and beyond the pain of the race to that day when we will be with my Jesus. And that's the hope. He's putting out hope here. So this all means that our trials, there's grace. There's his grace for every need. Do you understand that now? There's his grace for every need. 
I want you to turn to another scripture, Hebrews. Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 4. Turn to the left. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Hebrews, is it verse 16? Yeah, verse 16. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. It says here, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Do you see that? I want you to see these scriptures with your own eyes and not just hear it, but be able to to see it, to touch it, to underline it, to start, to highlight it, to let it be a promise to you to reassure you that we have this confidence that we can draw near to the throne of grace, right? Because of Christ. He, we have access, direct access to the Father now, to God. And so that we may go to Jesus, that, may, that we may receive mercy and what? Find grace. There's that word again. For what? To help in the time of need. Do you have a need here this morning? Do you have a need? God's grace is there for you. It's been well said, the will of God will never lead you where the grace of God cannot keep you. Understand that there's His grace for every need. Maybe you walked in this morning and and you're discouraged. You know what? There's grace for that. Maybe you walked in upset. You're angry. Some things are going on. You don't know how to handle this. it's, It's like it's hard for you to control your emotions. Well, God is there for you. There's grace there for every need. Maybe you come in here, you're cast down, and, and, and you're just so sad or depressed and discouraged. There's, there's grace for that too. Maybe you feel abandoned and alone. God's grace is there for you. Maybe, maybe you're confused and, and, and you're like, God, I, I don't get it. God, I'm sorry. God's like, it's okay. I love you. I have grace you i have grace to help you keep going i know it's hard i know you're weak and maybe even fail god in your faith god is saying i have grace for you maybe you're facing persecution god's grace is there to get you through whether you're weak whether you fail whether you've fallen god's grace is there to get you back up to keep you going to endure to keep on doing what God wants you to do. Help, be there for him. He's there for helping you. He's there to help you. He's there to be there for you. And that's all because of his grace. So there's his grace for every need. So God will get you through. Well, let's go to number three now. There's a purpose in every storm. There's a purpose in every storm. God will get you through. Number one, there's an end to every trial. Number two, there's his grace for every need. And number three, there's a purpose in every storm. There's a purpose in every storm. Now this, we're going to be looking at the last part of verse 10. And let me just read to you the verse. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, and here will himself, restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. 
I hope out of anything here that you can really reach into the depths of what the Word of God is saying here. That you can understand what God's purpose and His will for you, even in these hard times that you're going through. So Peter declares here, first of all, he says at the end of verse 10, will himself restore or will himself. What is he saying? He's saying God himself is the one who's going to be doing this work. It means the Lord will be personally involved here. God, with you. Me? Yes, you. He's putting his attention on you. He can do that. He can do that to every one of us because he's God, right? So the Lord himself, him personally, is going to be working. And in his working, he's going to make sure that his purposes are fulfilled. That what he wants to accomplish in your life is going to happen. That it's going to get done. In all the trials that you go through, God is sovereignly going to do his will and get his, his, his purposes, his plan done. Isn't that great to know? He himself is involved. He didn't like send an angel, oh, take care of Pastor Rick. No, God, I want you, right? Yeah. I, I, I don't want a second-class angel, <laughs> right? I want you. So understand here, when Peter says, will himself, God is personally involved. And you know what, what I like to think? If God is personally involved, then you know what? I know for sure I will get through, right? Right? Now we understand, don't we, from other studies and what the Bible tells us that, that God uses trials, Right? He helps us to grow uh, spiritually mature, uh, free us of sins. He, 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 there's all kinds of things, right? Trials have a pur- purpose. It matures us. It, it forges, in us, forges inside us a character of Jesus, right? We understand it as we are predestined to the image of Christ, Romans 8. So he, he's doing a work in it. So we understand that. I don't want to get too much into that. I just want you to understand that there is a purpose in all of this. And think about how, as we've been studying in in this book, the the different trials, the different situations and the sufferings that Peter has addressed. Like just last week was the title of our message, How to Fight Against the Devil. We talked about spiritual warfare. and We can suffer. We can be attacked. It can be hard. And so Peter's coming. Look. Even that, the Lord himself is working, you know. Even, even that, God is, 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 there's a purpose even in this spiritual warfare. And then we even go back even more into this book, right? How about, oh, a wife who is suffering as she is married to an unbelieving husband. Peter's like, submit, right? Or a husband in the same manner. He's saying, look. Peter's like, there's a purpose in all of this. Or, or you're under a boss. We saw that earlier in the b- book of 1 Peter. That, that is harsh to you. That uh, your, your employer doesn't treat you right. And Peter's like, no, still submit. Be a light. God has a purpose in that trial, in that suffering. Or, remember, he kind of started out the government, right? <laughs> Who were they under? Right? Nero, the Roman government. Nero was persecuting Christians. That's a background to this book. And Peter said, submit to the government. So through all this, as we obey God, we find ourselves that there's a purpose in it. And generally, we understand we're going to grow. 
that in all this, under God's sovereign hand, in His sovereign will in our life, understand that your pain and suffering is not wasted. It's not wasted. Because God has a plan. Listen, pain and suffering happens to every person, doesn't it? But for believers, it's a purposeful pain, if I could put it that way. So understand, Peter's saying. Well, with that, understanding there's a purpose in every storm, there's a purpose in every storm, Peter gets into a little more by listing four things that God will do. Some of the outcomes, what God is doing in you through these trials. And the first thing he says here, if you look again, God will himself restore. God, you're going through a trial, but you know what? He's going to restore. Restore. What does that mean? Well, in original language, it means to repair basically what's been broken. It means to make complete or make whole. So every storm, you can say, is a process of making you more like Jesus. It, it, it makes us complete. We come, we, we've come to God broken and sin and messed up and consequences of sin. But God makes us into a new creation and he's maturing us and growing us. What? To ultimately to become like Christ. So trials do that. Understand there's a purpose in that. And one of the big things is we're, we're as I mentioned earlier too, that we're, we're heading toward to be made in that image of Christ, the character of Christ. A Scottish pastor, J.S. Stewart, said this, It takes a world with trouble in it to train men for their high calling as sons of God and to carve upon the soul the features of the face of Christ. I love that. That's how we become more like Christ. So there's a purpose in every storm to restore. Number two, he writes here to confirm. To confirm, the word there means to set in place, to stabilize. So the storm actually helps you to stabilize you. It makes you more steadfast. It makes it so you're unable to be knocked down, actually. Isn't that kind of weird? But the storm, the trials actually help you to become stronger, to learn what that means to be in that storm and to not be taken down by that storm. In um, Keiki Church, we do a song called The Wise Man, and the wise man built his house upon a rock, and there's another verse that the, wise, the foolish man built his house upon the sand. And it's all based on Matthew 7, you know, when Jesus said that he who hears and does what I say is like a house built upon a rock. So we have a, a song that we do with the kids. Wise man built his house upon a rock. What's, what's it? The, the wise man built his house upon what's rock? Oh, rock. <laughs> yeah. The wise man built his house upon a, the rock. Yeah, and the kids do hand size and everything. And the rains came tumbling down. Rains came down, floods came up. Rains came down, floods came up. Rains came down, floods came up. And the house on the rock stood strong. That's the idea. Through trials and storms, it actually helps us to confirm, to settle us, to stabilize us, so that we would be steadfast, that we would not be knocked down. And you know how that happens? 
Because that song and what Jesus said when he put out that analogy that the house on a rock, you know, though the storms came, the wind blew, the house didn't fall. You know what he said? I told you already. He said, those who hear my word and do my word will be like this house on the rock. What is he saying? Those who are obedient. And I think trials and storms are, are the time where we're tested in our obedience. How obedient will we be? Will we hang on to God's words and his principle? Will we continue to follow and do what he called us to do, even when it's hard? When we do that, we grow. When we do that, we become that house that's founded on the rock. So there's a purpose in every storm. There's a purpose in every storm. The third thing he says here is to strengthen. And we know that it means to make strong, uh, to become capable, you can say, that this means. Now, a lot of these words kind of connect together and they're, they're almost, you know, synonyms of each other. But I want you to think of strengthening in this way. Every storm makes you more capable to meet the demands of life. That's what they do. They strengthen you, yeah? They, they, you grow so you're capable to get through these storms. I, was re- I read an article recently how post-pandemic, yeah, post-COVID-19, Americans are starting to return to the gym, going back to work out. You know, remember during the whole pandemic, gyms closed down or... You know, you didn't want to be by people, that kind of thing. But post-pandemic, this article, everyone's returning now. now and the article's talking about that uh, generally you pay for a gym maybe like $50 a month. They even, the article said some states, some states have gyms that you, you pay even up to $200 a month. It's like, wow, that's a lot of money. But annually, they're bringing in the whole gym industry. They're bringing in thir- 34.5. Eight billion dollars are being spent on gym membership in this country, and I thought, wow, that's a lot of money. I mean, that's a think about it, that's a lot of money, right? That people spend on like wearing yourself out, <laughs> uh, running and going nowhere, riding a bike and going nowhere, right? Uh, that's a lot of money to spend to just sweat, yeah, or to smell other people's sweat right that things like that right or to lift only to be sore later to what to be in pain and suffer later yeah you pay all this money but why do so many people collectively all together pay millions or billions of dollars pay money to suffer that way you know why right what's the saying no pain no gain we understand that right we understand the stretching of our muscles and working out and how it strengthens us. And yeah, it's hard. It hurts. It's, it's I don't like I don't like being sore. I don't like all that. But the result is you get stronger. Well, think about that. So it is with our our walk with God. So it is our spiritual life with God. God has a purpose in the pain and suffering that we go through, and it's to strengthen us that we would get stronger, that we would be more capable to meet the demands of life. Doesn't trials stretch our faith muscles? When we come out of it, we have more faith in God. Doesn't like suffering 
and, and uh, um, even the discipline of God, yeah, burn off that flesh fat, I would call it, right? Our sinful flesh, it burns off that fat. Doesn't these things we go through strengthen us, strengthen, I would say, the legs of our trust in God? So understand that there's a purpose in every storm. There's something going on. God has a plan in it. There's a purpose in every storm. So Peter lists here, restore, first of all, confirm. Thirdly, strengthen. And the last one, number four, and establish you. We go through this storm so God can establish you. The word really means lay a foundation. And I know, again, these all kind of link together. But for me, I think it speaks about how I handle the storm. How it, it, it makes me reliable, more consistent, more faithful. It, it, to me, it speaks of how, even though these storms and trials come, that I will stay the course in what God is having me to do. That, that no matter the, 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 the wind is blowing and blowing my boat really hard, but I'm going to keep the steering wheel on, on that destination, on that, that point of the compass. That's what I feel like this is. It, it establishes you that you won't be moved in that way. That you're going to push through the waves. That you're going to do everything you can to get to the destination. To get to port. Every storm matures you into a person, you know what? Who will never sink. Who will never sink. Someone, an unknown writer put this poem together let me read it to you all the water in the world however hard it tried could never never sink a ship unless it got inside all the hardships of this world might wear you pretty thin but they won't hurt you one less bit unless you let them in I love that that's what these trials do these suffering times. There's a purpose in every storm and it's, it's so that you will not be deterred in your life with God, in your dedication with God, in what God has called you to do, and you're running the race. And in, in, in that journey you're on with God, no matter this trial, you're going to stick to what God wants you to do. God will get you through. God will strengthen you to get you through. All right, well, we see, number one, there's an end to every trial. There's his grace for every need. There's a purpose in every storm. And number four, our last point is there's his power over everything. There's his power over everything. Verse 11, Peter writes here in 1 Peter 5, verse 11, To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now, Peter can't help but to give God glory here. Understanding even just the three things we looked at, he, he can't help to just, wow, God, yeah, you have a purpose. You're, you're doing something here. And so he breaks out in, in praise and exalting God and giving God gl glory. And when he does, we see this truth, which really wraps all of these things together. The truth, he says that God has dominion 
What does dominion mean? Dominion means he has the power, basically, to dominate. He has the strength. He, he has the power to rule, to be in control. He is the sovereign one over everything. That's what dominion is. That's what Peter is saying here when he says, oh, to him be dominion, to him be power, to him be sovereign power over everything, giving glory to him forever and ever. Amen, he says. And you know what that means? That means there is nothing that is beyond him, right? There is nothing that is beyond his sovereignty. He's the top. He's the powerful one. Nothing can overtake him. Satan can't, right? No demon like what we we looked at last week. The enemy can't. The world can't. Not Caesar, right? Not the unsaved husband treating uh, you, you super bad, yeah? Nothing. None of the persecutors coming after you. And even Christians back then being martyred and dying. Did that stop the gospel? Did that stop God? No, it didn't. So here's Peter just praising God and saying, basically we see since God has all power and he's sovereign and he has all strength and and wisdom and his plan and everything that he works and orchestrates in our life, Nothing can overpower him. And so we can find comfort and rest in that fact that, look, there's his power over everything. There's his power over everything that we're going to be okay. We're going to get through. No matter what happens, no matter what it looks like, God is still there. Whatever health issues you're going through, you know what? God in his plan and his sovereign will He's doing something in it. But that's not going to overtake his plan and power and purpose in your life. No matter how you're being treated at work, how unfair it is, but God says, no, I want you to stay. But God, I want to quit. I want to go somewhere else. This isn't right. Yeah, but I want you to stay. Trust in his plan. Because no matter what your boss or, or your coworker may be doing, God is still more powerful. Yeah. It's not like they're more powerful. No matter what things are going on in your family or your kids or, or, or you just see so clearly Satan is attacking and, and bringing down and his, his arrows are flying all over and you're just, ah. No matter the pain and suffering, you know what? God is still sovereign over Satan. He's working something. So understand his power. It's not hopeless. Look to see there's his power over everything. There's this hymn by uh, Ira F. Stamphill, and it's called, I Don't Know About Tomorrow. And uh, the first stanza says, I don't know about tomorrow. I just live from day to day. I don't borrow from its sunshine, for its skies may turn to gray. I don't worry over the future, for I know what Jesus said. And today I'll walk beside him, for he knows what is ahead. And then the, the chorus of this hymn says this, and this is what I really want you to hear. Many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand, but I know who holds tomorrow, and I know who holds my hand. Oh, I love that. I love that. God is in control. He has tomorrow taken care of because he's God. 
He is sovereign. He has power over everything. And that the God, the Lord, who has hold of everything, has power over everything, he holds your hand. He's there, right there. So our focus is not on the trial, but on who's in control, on the one who's holding our So you see the assurance we have as we come to a close? Do you understand the assurance we have, the hope we have, that we can put our faith in what we've read today? We can trust God in these things. And then you can have rest. You can have peace right now in understanding these things, no matter what you're going through, no matter the suffering, no matter the pain, no matter the trial. No matter the situation, you can have peace and you can rest. I'll close with this. Uh, <clears throat> this is one of my favorite stories, actually. It's about this train that was traveling through the night, and this big storm came upon it, real violent rainstorm. Lightning was flashing. When it flashed, it was almost blinding. And the rain was going sideways with the wind and hitting the train, uh, all the windows. And when it hit the windows, it was deafening. It was so loud. And there were strong gusts of winds that just rocked the whole train side to side. Well, when the lightning suddenly flashed and lit up the darkness, the passenger could actually see rising water along the tracks. And that just created this terror with all the passengers there on the train. Well, then several passengers then noted that through all the noise, the lightning, and the wind, one of the passengers, a little girl, seemed to be at perfect peace. I mean, you'd think the little girl would be the most afraid. So the adult passengers, they couldn't figure out why she was so calm during all this excitement. Well, finally, one of the passengers asked her, how is it that you can be so calm when all the rest of us are so anxious and worried about what might or could happen? Well, the little passenger smiled and said, my father is the engineer. He's in charge of the train. The Lord is in charge of this train of your life, what you're going through. So know that. Knowing that. So know that God will get you through. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word this morning, and it speaks loudly to us, Lord, that you are here for us, that you will get us through, that you, you have a promise to never leave us nor forsake us, that we know the end for us is heaven, end of this life, and we're going uh, uh, to transfer to eternity in heaven. And God, we know everything here. Our life here on earth will seem like just a little blip compared to living eternally with you, Jesus. And so let us put our hope and assurance upon you in that way. Let us rest in the fact that you do have things together, that we can trust you. Lord, help us to curb our emotions and to, to from our minds, put this scripture into us that we may be able to see in faith and trust in you and whatever that is we're going through. God, I pray for your Holy Spirit to calm our fears right now. Lord, as we give you our worries in this prayer, God, may you replace it with peace. I pray your Holy Spirit would strengthen us 
for what we're going to be facing, maybe when we go home, or maybe what we have tomorrow, or what's coming up this week. Lord, I pray that we would be reassured by you, just by the touch of your hand, God, by hearing your voice already that we're going to be okay. Lord, you know us. You know how weak human beings we are. And we need that, God. But thank you that we see the truth in front of our eyes and study this today, that this is real, that you're real. And what you're telling us is real, and it's the truth that you will get us through. So God, here we are. Help us today. We need you so much. But let us hold on to your word and what you are saying to us to help us get us get us through another day, another week. In Jesus' name, amen.